Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 121 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a review of 2019 FCPA Enforcement and Compliance. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. First off, Happy New Year to everybody. Welcome back to 2020. Uh, It's going to be a great year. Hopefully, everybody uh, sees a positive sort of horizon uh, for the future here. And before we get started, let me talk about two points. First, uh, just a reminder to please subscribe to our podcast and give the podcast a five-star rating. Uh, Second, I wanted to uh, introduce a new um, sponsor, Bureau Van Dyke, uh, is a new sponsor for the Corruption, Crime, and Compliance podcast. Compare companies worldwide for better decision-making and increased efficiency. Bureau Van Dyke recently announced its new Compliance Catalyst, which is a data-driven decision engine and risk management platform. Powered by Orbis, new Compliance Catalyst is a game-changer because nothing else combines data, technology, and people power into a single platform. Compliance Catalyst can streamline your KYC, AML, and anti-corruption research and make your client onboarding and customer due diligence process more reliable and efficient. Compliance Catalyst offers several unique advantages, including an integrated platform that combines your data, entity data from Bureau Van Dyke, and flexible due diligence screening, automated and enhanced, instant risk preview, and screening against watch lists and adverse media in seconds, customized dashboard, risk profiles and thresholds, screening and monitoring settings. As part of the Compliance Catalyst platform, several effective modules are provided, including AI-powered adverse media searches and reviews, shareholder power analyses, entity verification and resolution, and integrated enhanced due diligence services. If interested in a demo of the new Compliance Catalyst platform, please contact Bureau Van Dyke at americas at vdinfo.com or call 1-212-797-3550. Well, 2019 in the FCPA arena was a big, big year, uh, and we're going to go through that and talk a little bit more in general about some of the trends uh, in some interesting developments. First off, in the enforcement area, it was a record year. Uh, it was a record year in terms of overall fines and in number of individuals prosecuted. Um, and there are also some continuing trends that are becoming more uh, established uh, in that they are basically uh, almost expectations that are fair to make in certain situations. But first, let's start with the numbers. Uh, In 2019, the Justice Department settled seven enforcement actions and issued declinations in two cases uh, under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy. The seven cases involved MTS Telesystems, Fresenius Medical, 
Walmart, Technip slash FMC, which was the combined entity, Microsoft, Samsung, and Ericsson. The two declinations involved Cognizant and Quad Graphics. Three cases included the assignment of corporate monitors. That was MTS, Fresenius, and Walmart. Second, the Justice Department indicted or earned guilty pleas from 34 individuals, a record year and an increase over 26 individuals in 2018. The FCC, meanwhile, settled 12 corporate and uh, eight individual enforcement actions. The total corporate fines earned by DOJ and the FCC was approximately $2.76 billion, and that's billion with a B. So 2019 eclipsed 2016, which was the uh, prior record year of $2.4 billion in combined fines. Uh, DOJ settled two cases which landed in the top 10 for FCPA penalties of all time. That was Ericsson was $1 billion and MTS Telesystems was $950 million. There's no question that the Justice Department is increasing its transparency over uh, corporate enforcement actions. It has adopted and followed the FCPA corporate enforcement policy requirements. Uh, This same policy now governs all corporate criminal actions, uh, including environmental, uh, fraud, other types of things, except for the one division that's... uh, Exempt from that is the antitrust division, which maintains its leniency program and has its own corporate enforcement policy as a result of that. There's no question the Justice Department is focusing on large enforcement actions, and they're often deferring to the SEC to handle what are called, at least from my vantage point, the more routine enforcement matters. Uh, this division of labor is an important one to watch. Uh, it took, you know, DOJ used to take some of the smaller cases and settle those, but now it's uh, sort of deferring over to the SEC for those uh, types of cases. Uh, and it makes sense, think about it, for DOJ to concentrate on labor-intensive large cases, prosecute relevant individuals, and leave the less significant or smaller cases for civil SEC enforcement. As I mentioned, the Justice Department had a big year in criminal prosecutions of individuals. Uh, Senior officials at the Justice Department have emphasized the importance of criminal prosecution of individuals as a real deterrent to bribery. And they've aggressively also prosecuted foreign officials who are complicit in bribery schemes, charging them with uh, money laundering violations. In other words, the FCPA does not cover... Uh, the recipient of the bribe, that being the foreign official, and the Justice Department is criminally prosecuting them, however, for money laundering as a way to also bring them into the criminal prosecution scheme. The Justice Department had a positive year in criminal trials as well. After many years of interim appeals and resolving difficult legal challenges, DOJ convicted Lawrence Hoskins for his role in Alstom's massive bribery schemes. In addition, DOJ convicted Mark Lambert for his role in a bribery scheme involving a Russian official. Uh, That was done in the District of Maryland. Uh, The uh, Hoskins case was in Connecticut. In a separate action in Massachusetts in the Boston federal courts, DOJ convicted two Haitian businessmen for their role in bribery of Haitian officials connected to a port construction project. 
This case involved the use of an undercover officer and was the uh, first uh, Title III wiretap case uh, involving FCPA violations. On the compliance front, I mean, we had the enforcement front, which was pretty successful. Uh, and on the, on the compliance front, DOJ advanced its emphasis on ethics and compliance programs. In April 2019, DOJ issued its uh, revised guidance, which we've talked a lot about, for evaluation of corporate compliance programs. In doing so, DOJ injected new expectations surrounding corporate culture and the requirement that companies embed and manage their culture as a critical component of an effective ethics and compliance program. DOJ continued to push the importance of the chief compliance officer as well and the requirements that companies ensure that the uh, CCO has sufficient authority, resources, and independence. Um, DOJ's expectations extend to mandates that compliance personnel are qualified and treated equally with other senior officials in the company. So it was a record year. There are bound to be some numerous interesting enforcement actions and principles and trends. Uh, and I picked out a few here to highlight. Uh, it's, it's surprising to say the least, the DOJ continues uh, to return large enforcement actions against a number of global companies. You would think that after the last 10 years of aggressive enforcement, companies would refrain from bribery schemes or, dedicated or dedicate resources to cleaning up bribery schemes and implementing robust compliance solutions. Yet, we still see cases in which uh, bribery activity and even large systemic schemes, you know, continued into 2016, 2017. Um, and uh, these kind of large-scale violations involving systemic uh, conduct in multiple countries for long periods of time is really surprising given the, uh, you know, the attention that's been paid to uh, anti-corruption enforcement and compliance and uh, the efforts that have been made by many, many uh, companies to um, sort of curb that, that risk. There are three big enforcement actions that sort of fall into this, what I would call the surprising category, and that would be Ericsson, MTS Telesystems, and Fresenius Medical. Ericsson suffered the largest penalty of $1 billion for a systemic course of bribery over a 17-year period involving at least five countries. Ericsson paid bribes in money, gifts, and hospitality and travel. And in a typical fashion, what, how did they do this? They relied on third-party agents and consultants to manage slush funds and paid, uh, paid them through false invoices and sham contracts. Nothing new here, just extensive, systemic, and uh, ongoing problems for over 17 years. MTS, which is Russia's largest cellular carrier, uh, joined the Uzbekistan enforcement triumvirate of uh, Telia Sonera, which had an $865 million settlement, and Vimplecom, which had a $795 million settlement. And MTS joined the, uh, joined the cabal here for $950 million settlement. And at the center of the corrupt schemes was the notorious uh, Gulna Karimova, the daughter of the former Uzbekistan president, who orchestrated various bribery schemes and was eventually indicted. Uh, the Justice Department is pursuing all of her assets, trying to freeze as much and get access to it as part of the klepto uh, kleptocracy in initiative. Uh, now, 
under this case, MTS paid Karamova $420 million in bribes to enter the Uzbek market and operate for eight years, and they paid most of the bribes through acquisitions of Karamova-controlled companies, uh, shell companies that she maintained, and which were really at the center of the, the other cases as well with regard to the Uzbekistan cellular telephone uh, corruption scheme. Fresenius Medical ended up with an interesting mix, a DOJ non-prosecution agreement. Uh, they paid uh, $84 million, uh, $147 million settlement with the SEC, so a total of about $231 million, uh, and also a two-year corporate monitor. Fresenius, the nation's leading dialysis, uh, glo the global leading dialysis company, was tagged for bribery in 17 countries. They use a variety of schemes to funnel money to physicians and medical officials. Some other cases to highlight, uh, in a weird ending to a long and highly charged uh, case, DOJ and the SEC finally resolved the Walmart case. Thank goodness, uh, no more predictions about Walmart, no more discussions. While the settlement action kind of enter, ended with a whimper uh, rather than a bang, uh, DOJ interestingly insisted on a two-year corporate monitor, which is hard to understand why they did that, notwithstanding uh, Walmart's extraordinary remediation efforts that you know people in the industry are well aware of, uh, in which they designed and implemented a state-of-the-art ethics and compliance program. It's hard to figure out why Walmart, uh, there must be an interesting backstory to this, why Walmart ended up with a corporate monitor. I mean, they spent approximately $900 million over an eight-year period on lawyers, consultants, and accountants. And uh, then they settled with DOJ for $138 million and with the SEC for $144 million. Everybody expected a much larger settlement. But this is, uh, this, the Walmart enforcement action is an important uh, reminder that companies are likely to suffer real harm when they adopt an aggressive international growth plan like Walmart did without building or even considering seriously a robust ethics and compliance program to support such efforts. The international business people were so intent on beating Target into new global markets uh, that they sort of left ethics and compliance behind. In an important uh, enforcement action in the beginning of 2019, which resulted in an, an impressive declination, uh, DOJ uh, had an interesting prosecution of cognizant technology, uh, resulting in the indictment of its former president and general counsel and a $25 million settlement with the SEC. The cognizant settlement demonstrated in dramatic terms the impact of DOJ's FCPA corporate enforcement policy. Cognizant's board disclosed to the Justice Department the potential violation two weeks after learning about the bribery conduct. By doing so, uh, the board took a significant risk. It was not aware of the full scope of the bribery scheme and nonetheless reported the matter to DOJ and cooperated. In the end, DOJ rewarded Cognizant with uh, a declination. You, uh, and also, uh, what's interesting is they ended up with a criminal prosecution of the president and the uh, former general counsel who uh, were orchestrating the bribery scheme or involved in it. 
DOJ's uh, consistent increase in criminal prosecution of individuals for FCPA violations uh, is also another important reminder to every company of the dangers of foreign bribery conduct. Uh, and their record here was underscored by the strong trial victories, three separate victories in criminal FCPA trials during 2019. You know, and perhaps its most uh, successful initiative has been uh, in unraveling corruption at PDVSA in Venezuela. DOJ uh, has focused uh, these efforts by prosecutions in New York, Miami, and in Houston, and they've strung together over a course of the last three years a record number of indictments and guilty pleas totaling 31 individuals who've been prosecuted. Uh, and the Justice Department's investigations and prosecutions are continuing and will probably continue into 2020. So let's take a moment, take out our crystal ball uh, for FCPA predictions. Uh, there's some trends that are becoming more reliable to quote-unquote predict or just observe. Uh, DOJ is steadily adhering to the principles uh, outlined in its uh, FCPA corporate enforcement policy. So there will always be some disagreement, I think, among practitioners as to the appropriate resolution under the policy, like how you balance very fa various factors. But DOJ deserves credit for ultimately crafting and adhering to this policy. And it provides a fairly predictable set of factors and expectations surrounding enforcement, disclosure, and cooperation. One prediction, which is really uh, another profound grasp of the obvious, it's already been disclosed, is that Goldman Sachs will probably enter into a record-setting FCPA settlement in 2020 for uh, what's been reported to be $2 billion, yes, $2 billion with a B, for FCPA violations related to the 1MDB scandal in Malaysia, which is a highly controversial, just uh, overwhelming uh, scheme of bribery that uh, Goldman Sachs uh, apparently uh, was involved in. Um, and frankly, they deserve to be punished for its involvement in this notorious scheme. And several individuals, uh, the main person is still on the run, uh, indicted but not apprehended yet. But there will probably be more people prosecuted uh, in addition to those already under indictment or those who have entered into uh, plea and cooperation agreements. So look, that's one big prediction that we know is going to occur in 2020. And, from, and aside from that, you can bet that the total number, the total fines for 2020 is going to probably exceed $2.6 billion, which was this year's record. So we're likely to see a $3 billion uh, or even more $4 billion year in fines and uh, settlement amounts. Now, aside from the Goldman case, 2020 is likely to be another record year in criminal prosecution of individuals. Uh, like I said earlier, in 2018, DOJ prosecuted 26 individuals, and that by prosecuted, I mean either indicted or took pleas from, guilty pleas. Uh, and in 2019, uh, it involved 34 individuals. Given its ongoing and active investigations surrounding PDVSA and related cases involving Venezuelan officials, I expect these parallel investigations to continue to prosecute a significant number of individuals. In addition, some of the large corporate uh, enforcement actions in 2019 may bear fruit with individual prosecutions. 
you know, based on that, I predicted around 34, 35 for 2019. For, for 2020, I think we're going to see at least 45 individuals and may even likely crack uh, 50 because the Justice Department is continuing its steady increase in focus on individual prosecutions. So uh, as I mentioned, the, on the corporate enforcement side, DOJ and the SEC will easily surpass 2019, given the expected $2 billion Goldman Sachs settlement. Um, and they have several ongoing investigations involving significant corporate actors, including uh, Herbal Life for its conduct in China, Maersk for its Brazil bribery activities involving Petrobras, and Honeywell for its Brazil bribery scheme involving Petrobras as well. In the healthcare industry, we can expect to focus on an ongoing investigation, which seems to be growing uh, daily, uh, against Siemens, Philips, and GE for their participation in bribery schemes involving medical devices in China and Brazil. Another significant issue to consider is the implications of the 2019 uh, disclosure of guilty pleas by three Unioil officials. Uh, the Unioil matter is huge in the sense that the cooperation there has led to the prosecution of several, several companies uh, with whom Unioil officials uh, dealt with. And uh, given the number of oil and gas companies that they conduct that conducted business with Unioil over the last 10 years, we're likely to see a resurgence of some enforcement actions against oil and gas companies. The Technique FMC matter from 2019 obviously related to uh, Unioil, uh, as did SBM Offshore, I think, which was a 2018 matter. Uh, a simple list of the countries and companies involved in these business activities reveals that there are a significant number of companies that may be uh, subject to FCPA scrutiny in the oil and gas area. 2019 was also a significant enforcement year against telecommunications companies, Ericsson and MTS being the two largest enforcement actions of the year. While much of the conduct in those cases uh, focused on Uzbekistan, the telecommunications industry, uh, everyone should be reminded, is like oil and gas and mining industries because there are significant risks from interaction with foreign government officials, especially when it comes to licensing activities and upgrades to new technologies such as 5G. For that reason, telecommunications companies may be at greater risk for FCPA enforcement, and this is a trend that should be watched. Well, that's a quick review of 2019. Uh, we're going to be doing some more reviews on uh, OFAC sanctions and uh, compliance trends, so stay tuned uh, in the next few weeks ahead. Um, and uh, again, Happy New Year to everybody and hope 2020 is a great, prosperous and happy year for you. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, the misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. 
We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs on our website, www.vocallaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. And you can always contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you. Most of the time they're sitting and crying at home One of these days, they know they gotta get going Out of the door and down to the street all alone Chugging like a doodah man Once told me you got to pay your hand Sometimes the cards ain't worth a dime If you don't lay them down Yeah,